Hey everybody, how are we all doing? I'm Mike. I'm with Alex as always. How are you doing? New episode of Falling Through Plot Holes, a podcast about video game plot lines and how they have a tendency to go off the rails. Alex, I don't know how you're feeling about podcasting today, but I decided to start off my day by having a bunch of subpar donuts and drinking too much coffee, and now I am I'm ready to talk about video games for the next couple hours. I started off with a subpar scone and pretty decent coffee of a proper amount, so same. All right, good, good. Yeah, you, if anything, you're probably in better better shape than I am. For, I might be, with this. yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's great, because it's a donut place that's near me that uh, is named after a much more famous donut place that's uh, <laughs> in the same area. They just flip the words around. Hmm, fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. I Legally love it. Legally distinct. Legally distinct donut shop, and it's the only one within walking distance of me. Well, you may think that this is a podcast where we talk about eating incredibly bad food in the mornings, but no, this is actually a podcast about video games. And we have a really good episode today. Uh, one that I actually was kind of uh, daunting when I started writing the notes up for it, because I really had no idea how to approach this because of, of reasons we're going to get into in a second. But before we get started, I do want to ask you a question, Alex. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with the town of Sunnyvale, California? I am very familiar with the town of Sunnyvale, California. I figured you would be for multiple reasons. For for those of you at home who are not familiar with Sunnyvale, California, and I think anybody who's not a fan of video games probably has no idea where this place even is, uh, Sunnyvale is a very unassuming town, just sort of in the Bay Area. It's sandwiched between San Jose to its east and Mountain View to its west in the San Francisco Bay Area. Now, Sunnyvale for most people is just a suburb. A suburb of honestly very little renown given that it's, you know, literally Palo Alto is not too far away from it. Once again, Mountain View is right next to it. Mm -hmm. But if you are a fan of video games, it is an incredibly important place. Because it has a claim as the birthplace of the video game industry. While it's not super relevant to our story, Atari's first headquarters were actually in Sunnyvale. Now, as a strange aside, uh, Nolan Bushnell, the uh, founder of Atari, uh, also opened the first Chuck E. Cheese in nearby San, in San Jose. <laughs> you know, that kind of makes sense, really. It, there's a good synergy with that. Yeah, it. I was kind of shocked to find that out. It was very coincidental when I was looking up all this. And I was like, oh, that's fun. And makes sense, because Atari was and still is a strange company, or whatever Atari is nowadays. Yeah, it's, it is definitely strange. Uh, I'm not sure it's a company, but it's <laughs> definitely did. strange. In order to date this podcast, they did actually release a new console recently, and it's absolute garbage. Yep. But <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to pay the $400 for it. But, uh... but yeah, yeah, so Sunnyvale has... Uh, has quite a quite a pedigree behind it if uh, if you care about video game history at all. Because, of course, Atari, very, very big deal in the late 70s and early 80s and very instrumental in what eventually would become the video game industry. Mm -hmm. Now, Sunnyvale wasn't just home to Atari, however. Uh, while Capcom USA was based all around the Bay Area, they had offices in Sunnyvale. And at Capcom USA, one of their jobs in the Sunnyvale offices was to help localize and market Japanese arcade games. Now, they went about this in some exceedingly bizarre ways that we, we may or may not touch on in here in a bit. But one of the most common things they did, and this is something a lot of companies would do, if they wanted to determine if a game was going to be a hit, they were to release this game into a test arcade. Mm -hmm. Now... 
The test arcade that Capcom USA used was the Golfland Arcade in Sunnyvale. Mm. This... <laughs> oh, that, that, was, that was an ominous sound. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. So I grew up in this area, and I'm trying to remember if I remember the Golfland Arcade. I think that I do. Mm. I'm pretty the, sure that I do. There are quite a few golf lands all over the place in the Bay Area, it turns yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's one up in Milpitas, and I think there's one in San Jose as well. Probably. So, this golf land, though, in Sunnyvale, may be the most important arcade-slash-putt-putt golf course to ever exist. And there are a few reasons for this. So, because it was used as a test arcade, you obviously had the latest and greatest in arcade games debuting there. Like, you would get every, you would get, like, the newest stuff, like, about three to six months before anyone else would. And since this was the 90s, Capcom was kind of on a roll when it came to making arcade games. So they had a ton of awesome stuff coming out there. So, you know, you would, if you want to play Final Fight first, you would go there. You know, if you want to play, uh, like, the like the newest, like, in the Versus series, they would, it would usually debut there. Like, it had all sorts of just really, really cool stuff. So what this meant, though, is that a lot of people in the Bay Area would flock to this arcade to see the latest and greatest thing. This was also around the time when fighting games were starting to become a real big thing. Now, fighting games in general are a lot different from other arcade games where you, know, you put a quarter in, you play a little bit, and you put another quarter in. Because theoretically, if you have enough human challengers and you're good enough at the game, you could play indefinitely on the same quarter you put in that machine. Mm-hmm. And since it, this was the Sunnyland, uh, Sunnyvale Golfland, that you had plenty of people down there to challenge. So with everyone flocking to this arcade, you were not short on people trying to push you off that machine and incentivize people to get real good at those types of games. Right. It was from these roots that eventually the first Battle by the Bay fighting game tournament was held at this Golfland in 1996. Yeah. Here we go. That's right. And with it, arguably saw the birth of the fighting game community as we know today. Because Battle by the Bay would eventually become the Evolution Championship Series. Yeah, because the first one was Battle by the Bay in 1996, then Battle by the Bay in, in 2000, and then Evo 2004. Mm. Now, by saying this was the birth of the fighting game community isn't completely accurate, as this obviously erases the Chicago and New York scenes that were developing independently around this time, and of course the entire country of Japan. <laughs> oh, yeah. But... For the purposes of our story, it, it ends up being very important. Although, once again, I do have to caveat it once again, because it technically wasn't even the first fighting game tournament that I could find. Uh, for instance, one was held at another golf land in the area in Milpitas, California in 1991. Uh, that one was fun, because while I don't know how many people entered, I do know that entrants all got to play a free round of mini golf, which seems pretty sweet. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, yeah it's like, that seems rad. But once again, for the purposes of our story, Sunnyvale Golfland is one of the most important places in video game history. Uh, this is because from Battle of the Bay, eventually that led Diego Umahara coming from Japan to fight Alex Faye in Street Fighter Alpha 3. You know, one of the first instances of East versus West when it came to fighting game competitions. Mm. It was from here we got Evo. And obvious, but obviously there had to be like a game that inspired all this in the first place. Well, this entire fervor and why fighting games became so damn popular, particularly at this Sunnyvale location. A singular game so important and good that inspired people to develop strategies to stay on arcade machines as long as possible inspires so much competition. 
I'm talking about a game that once had 15 individual cabinets operating at the same time at this Sunnyvale <laughs> golf land. Jeez. Yeah. Street Fighter 2. Part of our topic for today's episode, the Street Fighter series as a whole. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. <laughs> Needless to say, this is going to be a multi-part episode. Mm-hmm. Alex, what's your experience with Street Fighter? Okay, so my experience with Street Fighter is um, I first played Street Fighter 2 when I was like 8 or 9 mm-hmm. on the Genesis. Um, Good version. I did, didn't play it very much. Did not play it very much at all. I have since gone back to it and decided I don't like Street Fighter 2. I don't think Street Fighter 2 is fun to play. I do (laughs) think Street Fighter 3 is really fun to play. And I think Street Fighter Alpha and Street Fighter 4 are also really fun to play. Mm -hmm. Um, Street Fighter 4 came out when I was in college and it was a big deal because it was like the return of Street Fighter. And so even as someone... Even for someone like me who didn't really do fighting games at the time, like, it, it was still a big deal. Um, and I had a friend who was very into it, so I, I put some time into Street Fighter 4. Uh, Street Fighter 3 I eventually put some time into just because its sprite work is so damn gorgeous. I wanted to play it just to see it in motion. Oh, it's so good. It's so damn good. It's so good. And it also plays really well, so that led to me sort of, you know, sticking with it for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after all of that, I, I tried Street Fighter Alpha 2 and 3. Um, it turns out those are just really fun. Yeah. Those are, those are sort of like early prototypes of anime fighters, almost. They kind of are. They're very fast movie games, particularly Alpha 3. Alpha 3 and, is a very fast game. Yeah, and it has air blocking. Yes, it does. Yeah, so I, I think we've had more or less the same experience, uh, the difference being that I started out with Street Fighter Two Turbo on the Super mm. Nintendo, uh, although I did um I did definitely play Champion Edition on the Genesis and uh, play a little bit of, of Street Fighter Two in the arcades as well, mm-hmm. uh, though not not a ton. It by the time I was really seriously going to arcades, it, it started to move on. Right. Uh, right. But yeah, I for the most part, I, I think we have similar opinions about the quality of Street Fighter because yeah, like I I love Street Fighter Four. Uh, I love the Alpha series. I love Alpha 2. Alpha 2 mm-hmm. may be my favorite Street Fighter. That's fair. Uh, and if it's not, it's Street Fighter 3, which this is going to be a hot take. I think the soundtrack of Street Fighter 3 might be the best. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. I, and I, I should clarify, Third Strike. Yes. Third yeah, strike. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there are other Street Fighter 3s? Oh, well, you know, for there our might purposes, as well not no. Be. There might as well not be. <laughs> um, but yeah. Have have you ever played the original Street Fighter? I have played it for ten minutes or so. Oh, and yeah, that is a game. The original Street Fighter is fantastic in many regards because it's it's a game. It's a real good litmus test of like if you put that in front of somebody like who mm-hmm. knows about fighting games and doesn't know about fighting games, they're gonna have two different opinions about whether or not it's a fighting game. Yes. If you put it in front of somebody who, like, tangentially knows about fighting games and you see, like, the gameplay of it, they'll go, Street Fighter's a fighting game. Right. If you put it in front of, you know, somebody who's, like, really into fighting games, they'll go, that is not a fighting game. Right. <laughs> because Street Fighter, the original one, was not really made with that sort of thing in mind. Right. <laughs> it it well, was made to be a gimmicky arcade game. 
And the interesting thing is they're kind of both right because there was no such thing as a fighting game at that point. Yeah, there really wasn't. Like there was like stuff like Karateka and whatnot, but it, right. and Kung Fu Master, but it, it, those are still kind of different beasts to what yeah. eventually became the prototypical fighting game in Street Fighter Two. It, it was all sort of like th- they were basically beat 'em up games with one opponent. Yeah, who had a similar move set to you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it. It's such a the original Street Fighter is such a weird game. Although it is bizarre, for as much as uh for as bad as it is, kind of love how that game sounds. Yeah, it it definitely has a an antique charm. Oh, it really does. Oh, so yeah, to say that Street Fighter is important would be a massive understatement. It's arguably the most important game Capcom has ever made. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's which, fair. Yeah, and given some of the games they've put out, that really should tell you something. Uh, that being said, the original Street Fighter wasn't really much of a success when it was released in 1987. And uh, that was due to quite a few different factors. Uh, th- to start with, the game actually wasn't... Well, the controls were weird. Most <laughs> yeah. fighting, Yeah, that's safe to say. Most fighting games have six buttons and whatnot, and Street Fighter would eventually have a six-button like control scheme. But originally, they wanted to use pressure-sensitive pads because they want to make it seem like you're really fighting. And you had to hit the pads at different strength levels in order to do different moves. It, as a fun aside, there's a really good uh, oral history that Polygon has put up, and I'll, I'll link to it in the, short no- the show notes, where they talk about how they debuted this game at the same gym where they filmed... Uh, uh, Mickey's Gym and Rocky, and had mm-hmm. box they like they had boxers come out and box, and then after that the boxers played the game, <laughs> the show like oh man it's like just like fighting, that and by the like end a terrible idea, oh yeah because at the end the boxers were all exhausted yeah, <laughs> and then you know distributors who were there to buy the game they went up to the play and they were also exhausted and, like hands were bruised and everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they went oh we need to retool this, <laughs> <laughs> whoops yeah it's it's. It was fantastic. It's it's a real good, real good of example of like this is not how you market a game. But yeah, yeah. So needless to say, it wasn't a huge success. But with the release of Street Fighter Two in 1991, Capcom created what seemed like a whole new subculture in video games, and from its success, it inspired other companies to make their own fighting games. Uh, this ranged from kind of carbon copies from like Data East to mm their main rival, SNK, who literally headhunted the, the director of the original Street Fighter. Right, right. Even Sega's Virtua Fighter can, to some extent, trace some amount of lineage back to the Street Fighter franchise. Uh, this is a game... A game in this series has always been on the main stage of Evo, and characters from that series, particularly Ryu and Chun-Li, are some of the most recognizable fictional characters that have ever existed. This is despite the fact that the story of Street Fighter is kind of unknown and incomprehensible. So I I need to preface this entire episode at this point by saying, God, I love fighting game stories so much. Oh, yes. They're all nonsense. They are all unending legacies of like 10 to 30 violence-inclined sociopaths running around beating each other in the face over the mm-hmm. fate of the world or mm-hmm. nothing. <laughs> Yeah. And it's it's always great. It's always great, and they always get more and more convoluted. And I started out with Street Fighter very specifically, not because it was one of the first, mm. because it's actually one of the simplest. Yes. 
Because I figured if we're going to ever talk about any other fighting game series, and we almost certainly are. Almost certainly. You kind of have to start with some sort of basis. If nothing else, we'll have some idea of how to organize those later episodes. Yeah, we we need to talk about M. Bison before we talk about Geese Howard. Yes. Because that's an acceleration. A hell of an acceleration. I cannot wait for the day we talk about Geese Howard. Oh, man. Geese Howard's so great. Oh, he is so great. Oh, man. So, yeah, the story is kind of unknown and incomprehensible. And a big reason for this is because what is canon and what is not in Street Fighter is very confusing. To the point that I don't think Capcom completely knows. (laughs) Oh, Capcom definitely doesn't know. They make that up every time they make a new game of any sort. Yeah. They just just riff on whatever. (laughs) What will be cool to include this time around? So yeah, to start, each Street Fighter game has multiple versions, some of which either overwrite previous games or add bits and pieces to the story here and there. And what matters and what doesn't seems random at best. To give you a couple examples, Street Fighter Alpha doesn't matter because Street Fighter Alpha 2's story literally is the same thing, Mm. just with more characters. Right. That being said, Street Fighter Alpha 3 has an entirely different story. It's a sequel to that. Now, there's only one canonical story in all the different versions of Street Fighter 2 that are out there. Mm-hmm. But for Street Fighter 3, that's not the case. Street Fighter 3's second impact technically has different story beats from Third Strike, despite Third Strike being an update to second impact. Right. Does that sound confusing? It is. <laughs> and it isn't just Street Fighter that's canon. Series such as Final Fight and Rival Schools are technically in the canon of Street Fighter, albeit we're not going to really be talking about those. Mostly because Rival Schools doesn't really matter, even though it's a great fighting game series. Mm -hmm. And Final Fight kind of deserves its own episode at some point. So yeah, those count, but Street Fighter EX doesn't. Right. Hmm. And probably the final cherry on top of everything... Oh, no, actually, not quite yet. There's actually a couple more. It also doesn't help that Street Fighter... The series isn't in order. Street Fighter 3 does the Fast and Furious 3 tact of being the furthest along in the storyline. Ah, right. It takes place after Street Fighter 4 and 5. Hmm. And finally, the biggest problem with the narrative of Street Fighter is that there are multiple playable characters. Their endings are not only brief, but often contradictory with each other, and little effort's been made by Capcom to determine what is canon and what is not. This is not the only fighting game series that does this, but it makes for it makes for a confusing mess regardless. Yeah. So th- this is another thing that's constant to almost all fighting game stories. Like Mortal Kombat is probably the biggest exception in my mind. And at this point, Guilty Gear. Mm-hmm. But Guilty Gear was definitely like this before, where Each character has their own storyline, and those storylines sometimes overlap and conflict, and -hmm. you don't get to find out which one really happened until the next game comes out, and they were like, this is what happened last time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with with Mortal Kombat 9 and the advent of, let's actually have a comprehensive single-player mode. Right. uh, Yeah, it it was usually just a complete free-for-all. Like, nowadays, like, the traditional fighting game storyline is kind of dead. Because even Street Fighter is starting to do that now, and um, we're so much worse off for that. (laughs) I agree. If there's there's any solace, it's that I don't think Blaze Blue will ever let that die. Oh, good. I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) 
You want to see this problem at its worst? Let's talk about Blaze Blue. <laughs> I I have read a couple of plot synopses for Blaze Blue, and I still don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, you could read the entire plot through the game and still not know what's going on. <laughs> Blaze Blue does seem like the series where it's just like, we just want to throw in some cool things that are happening, and uh, I don't know, something's going to happen. Kind of. Well, Blaze Blue is actively about time travel and multiverse. So, ah, yeah. So, like, timelines conflicting is actually canon. Oh, God. Uh, can't, I can't wait for that episode. <laughs> uh, so normally this is the part where we go into like the development of Street Fighter, but we're not going to really do that too much because honestly, the development of the games themselves don't really have a strong impact on the story as some other franchises would. Right. This will be a little bit different like uh, later on in the series uh, when we like kind of start talking about Street Fighter V and whatnot because that's when they start taking cues from other companies. Right. But but for now, for this episode, that's not something we're going to worry about. Uh, you know, the only thing I'm going to really say is that, once again, Street Fighter, when it came out in 1987, wasn't overly successful because it was kind of a gimmicky machine. Mm-hmm. And it was just successful enough that eventually staffers at Capcom were able to convince management to let them make a Street Fighter 2. Real sort of like Mega Man to Mega Man 2 sort of situation where like, okay, fine, I guess you could do that. Right. Oh, wow, it's really successful now. Let's yep. make a million. Let's let's make a million, except they're all the same game this time. <laughs> this time they're literally all the same game, but this time you could play as you could play as Bruce Lee. So with that, let's jump into the plot of Street Fighter. So actually, before we jump in there, I do want to say that I had a lot of difficulty figuring out how exactly I wanted to tackle these games. As far as what order to go in, is it, am I going to go strictly by timeline right. or release date? I have chosen to go by release date. Okay, that probably makes sense. Yeah, and the reason being is because the Street Fighter games with Reckless Abandon will contradict each other at every possible length, but they'll also bring in characters like into supposed prequel games, but with the expectation that you know who they are already. Right. So it's like, well, we kind of have to talk about Street Fighter 2 then before we talk about Alpha. And we have to talk about Street Fighter 3 before we talk about Street Fighter 5 because of that. So right. hence why I'm going in that order. Makes sense. So yeah, Street Fighter. The plot of the original Street Fighter is very slight and can be summed up in three sentences. So we're going to take this time to set up the world of Street Fighter instead. Taking place in some amalgamation of the modern day, Street Fighter tells the story of Ryu. A Japanese orphan wearing a white martial arts gi with either red, brown, or black hair, depending on the game. (laughs) They've recently decided it's black hair, and I think they're going to stick with it, but we'll see. So, when he was a young orphan, he was adopted by a martial arts master named Goken. Now, Goken was a legendary master, and he proceeded to train him in a martial art called the Ansasuken Martial Arts Style. Or Shotokan, if you prefer the U.S. translation. That's where we get the term Shotos when it comes to certain character archetypes. Uh, This is a martial art originally developed as an assassin art, but Goken developed a more sanitized version called the Hado Nichikara, as well as a supplemental style called the Koshio no Hado, or the Fist of Nothingness. (laughs) God, Goken's so cool. Goken is so cool. (laughs) 
Now, masters of these techniques and training are able to fight free of fear, anger, pride, and ego, and thus are able to devote themselves solely to the way of the fist. This also allows practitioners a way to hone their key, which is why Ryu is able to throw energy fireballs. Uh, a big factor of this universe is that people are literally magicians and yeah. everyone's kind of okay with that yeah i like how you say like that's how ryu is able to throw fireballs and then a game later like everyone has a way to throw fireballs pretty much like some characters just get invented whole cloth in just in the middle of it it's just like nope this person can throw a fireball now yep. chun Li can throw a fireball yep so chi yeah, it's just it's just Chi, and listen, Guile just got so good about working out. He can th- <laughs> he can literally throw so so good. They're so good that he could just literally throw out sonic booms. Now he just yep. can. <laughs> That's how you also know his friend Charlie is so much better because he he only has to use one arm to throw out a sonic. Yeah. Boom. Oh, Charlie, Charlie's oh, scary. God, but we're getting Charlie. ahead of ourselves. We are getting way ahead of ourselves. So. Getting back to Street Fighter, uh, Ryu thus grew up wanting only one thing in life, to be the best fighter ever and to truly understand the fist. This causes him to be very introspective and quiet, uh, one willing to help those in need, but not particularly caring for much else, whether it's physical possessions, romantic love, or even another change of clothes. (laughs) There are many, many scenes of Ryu's clothes literally falling apart on his body. Yep. And like somebody else coming by being like, Ryu, buy, buy clothes. What is wrong with you? So Ryu wasn't the only student of Goken. Ken Masters, a brash American or Japanese American, depending on what source you read. I think he's now officially Japanese American, hmm. uh, was another student of Goken. Uh, he's a young spoiled hair to a hotel empire who his father was like, OK, I got to make sure this guy does not grow up to be a dick. I'm going to send him to Japan to train with this ancient martial martial arts master at the age of 12. Because I don't want him to grow up to be spoiled. I mean, some people send their kids into the military. Some mm-hmm. people do that, I guess. Yeah, this is literally the equivalent of being sent to a military boarding school. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, it worked. Yeah. While Ken is basically the opposite of Ryu, he's brash and confident and happy to pull pranks. He still fights with honor and is willing to help those in need, especially if it's his best friend, Ryu. So, yeah, yeah. Ryu and Ken have a really good relationship in these games. So at the age of 23, Goken sends Ryu and Ken off into the world. Uh, Ken decides to go back to the United States to compete in various tournaments, and Ryu goes off to fight in the World Warrior Tournament. It's shortly after this, though, that Goken is murdered by an unknown assailant. Now, yeah, gasp, right? Ryu doesn't really know this at the time because they haven't bothered to write this yet. So he just happily goes off to participate in the tournament. So initially, not much is known about who sponsors the first World Warrior tournament. But what is known is that it's attracted fighters from all across the world and its structure is absolutely nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So in order to compete in the World Warrior tournament, you basically wander around the world, bump into each other just randomly in the street, and then engage in street fights that are somehow not against the law. <laughs> Basically, about 10 or 15 people view this at any given time. Yeah. And it's somehow the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, so the best thing about this is, like, people see this going on, and they're all like, that's the World Warrior Tournament going on right there. Let's yeah. watch. And they get super excited about it. It's great. 
So Ryu travels to countries such as the United States, England, and China, and he fights a surprising amount of criminals and murderers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they, these include characters such as Gen, a an old assassin from China, Mike, who's literally based off of Mike Tyson and also a murderer, mm. and Birdie, a British punk rocker who's also a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, Ryu beats all of them, and he's invited to Thailand to face his final opponent, and what turns out to be the sponsor of the tournament as well. The emperor of the Muay Thai fighting style, Sagat, a tall, bald, muscular man with an eye patch. He held the tournament to prove that he was not just the greatest fighter in the Muay Thai style, but also the entire world. So he immediately goes about this by just kicking the shit out of Ryu. Like, Ryu doesn't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. Which, if, if you ever played Street Fighter and got to Sagat? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, Sagat just wrecks you. <laughs> so, Ryu is all but defeated, and he's lying on the ground. When Sagat walks over, and in a very sporting manner, he, he tries to help him up and whatnot. Ryu, however, gets an intense surge of anger and hate that overtakes his body. And yeah. as Sagat is picking him up, he unleashes a devastating Shoryuken uppercut giving Sagat a near-fatal gash across his chest that will form into, like, a really wicked scar and knocking him out. Yeah. So Ryu wins the tournament, but he immediately realizes that something is wrong. That anger wasn't him, and it may be something greater to fear. Sagat eventually wakes up well after the fight, and he's, like, super upset about this, and he gets a single mind of going on a revenge tour to get back at Ryu by any means necessary. And that's the plot of Street Fighter. Rad. It yeah. is kind of weird that Sagat wanted to prove he was the best, so he had other people fight each other. Yeah. So he could fight the winner? Like, shouldn't he just fight everybody? I, I guess he just was like, you know, I don't really want to... We need to whittle down this competition. Yeah. Everybody's entering. Didn't want a whole cell games about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's just like, whoever... Yeah, like, whoever's the best, just show up. I'll punch you in the face. Hit you with a tiger genocide. Yep. But yeah. So yeah, with that, that's the end of Street Fighter. And like I said, you could really sum up the plot in about three sentences because the vast majority of stuff I talked about was stuff that was added literally a decade later. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, inter- interesting game, uh, kind of paper thin plot, which you'd expect from an arcade game. Now, in 1991, they ended up releasing Street Fighter 2. And while it canonically doesn't come next... The way, once again, Capcom has set up the narrative and how they introduce characters to the wider story, you kind of got to talk about it first. Mm-hmm. And once again, this is not going to be the first time we're going to have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so for as important of a game as Street Fighter 2 is, the actual plot of the game is really not that big of a deal. Now, that being said, it does introduce the main antagonist of essentially the Street Fighter series as a whole. And does introduce a bunch of characters that are going to be very relevant throughout the entire series. Mm. Uh, albeit of varying importance. So, after Ryu wins the World Warrior Tournament, an evil organization rises from the criminal underworld bent on world domination. This organization is called Shadaloo. Yeah, they are. And it's led by the mysterious M. Bison. <laughs> the M stands for M. Yeah. A... <laughs> <laughs> A red military uniform wearing man with, like, no pupils who is capable of using what's called psycho power. Yeah. 
Psycho Power is just purple energy he can use to do various things. Usually power himself up. Together with his four kings... No, no, I think we're selling it short. It can art. also levitate me. <laughs> and very specifically me. Uh, anyone who hasn't at least seen clips of the Street Fighter movie should do so. Oh, yes. Raul Julia as... Raul uh, Julia as Bison is the best thing ever. Uh, I'm really glad that, like, the cultural consensus around that movie has turned around to it's, it's actually a good movie. Yeah. Because it is. I mean, it's not, but it is. <laughs> it's so hammy. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, so together with his lieutenants, the four kings, which yeah. include, uh, uh, first off, apparently himself, two... Sure. <laughs> Vega, a Spanish ninja, because why not... <laughs> Balrog, a boxer who's literally Mike Tyson, but not the boxer from the previous game named named Mike, who's also literally Mike Tyson. <laughs> they are actual canonically separate characters. Yep. Which is really confusing because in Japan, he's actually called Mike Bison. So you're like, wait, hold on. Right. So <laughs> Why didn't you bother? So as I understand that the original plan was M. Bison's name was going to be Balrog and Balrog's name was going to be M. Bison like Mike Tyson. And then they brought it to America and Mike Tyson's people were like, no, you won't. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was going to be that Vega was actually going to be M. Bison. And then Balrog was going to be Vega. And then yeah, Balrog oh, okay. was going to be M. Bison. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was like, Oh wait, no, this is a little bit too similar. Also right. Capcom of America literally was like, Vega's a lame name. Mm, yeah. Let's put him on the Spaniard. Yeah, let's let's call him Mike. Let's call him M. Bison, which, eh, you know what? I agree. Yeah, worked out. So, yes, yeah, so those three and a revenge-driven Sagat, who has now joined Shadowloo, uh, they, decide to, they decide to hold a new World Warrior tournament to determine who the strongest fighter in the world is. Now, this may seem real strange, but Bison had a good reason for it. He wanted to destroy all the strongest fighters in the world so he could easily take over said world. Because, you know, there's no, like, national militaries that would stop him once the strongest individual kung fu masters are gone or anything. <laughs> hey, what what can Psycho Power do against a tank? A lot, actually. Apparently a lot, and that's what M. Bison is banking on. <laughs> True. Sagat's just going to tiger knee a jet plane and take it down. Yeah, I'd believe it. Yeah, honestly, the range on his tiger uppercut in some of those games, he probably could yeah, take down a space station with him. Probably uh, so. <laughs> so, interestingly enough, in this game, Ryu and Ken might as well not exist. While they're playable, they really don't factor into Shadowloo's plans. They're, they're just here to compete in a tournament. Mm. So, instead, Bison is primarily opposed by two other people. Guile a major in the United States Air Force, and Chun-Li, an Interpol officer from China. So, Guile is a calm, stoic man who has a beef with Shadowloo. Specifically, they're responsible for the death of Charlie Nash, another member of the Air Force and Guile's friend and mentor. Now, Charlie had previously teamed up with Chun-Li to take down Bison, but when Charlie died and Chun-Li was unsuccessful, she joined up with Guile. And Chun-Li herself has a beef with Bison, because not only is Bison a criminal, he is responsible for the death of her father. So, they both get together and are like, okay, we need to go and take down Bison. So, 
There are other characters present in Street Fighter 2, but ultimately they don't have much of an impact on the story, at least not really yet, and they're kind of siloed off from each other. So, as much as I do want to talk about Zangief and how he wants to bring glory to Mother Russia. Yeah. He Zangief's kind of never a good boy. He's a good boy, but he never he never really matters. Yeah. And it's too bad. It's it's too bad. But there's a bunch of other people and they're all cool. But uh the real the reality is is that everybody's plot is sort of siloed off each other in a way that Street Fighter 2 story ends up being very unclear. Like it's actually not really known who actually wins the tournament. <laughs> Like, the general fan consensus right. is that Guile wins, and is stopped from... Sure? Yeah, why not? And he's stopped from killing Bison in revenge by his wife and child, who basically show up and tell him it's not worth it. What is known, though, is that after Bison loses, a man with fiery red hair, wearing a gi, not unlike Ryu's except dark purple, suddenly confronts Bison, and with a quick and deadly strike, kills him. This man is named Kuma. And we're going to learn quite a bit more about him in the prequel to Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter Alpha. Okay, wait. I just realized a question. What's up? Did Bison, like, arrange for people to kill the losers of the tournament fights? No. (laughs) Then how was this tournament supposed to eliminate anyone? Excellent question. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't they just get kind of beat up and have to take a week? To get over it, and then go back to normal? Yeah, but in that week, you know, Bison only needs a week to take over the world. And after that, like, yeah. what are they going to do? Uh, uppercut him? <laughs> I mean, he could, but probably be sore and be unpleasant. Yeah, no, Bi- Bison's plan is kind of terrible. Bison is actually kind of terrible at, like, taking over the world. He's really just a really evil dude, mm-hmm. but not a competent, like, villain. No. He just wants to do evil things, but he's not good at it. Yeah, and that's something that's not going to change, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, spoiler alert, this is not the last time we're going to see Bison. And not just in the prequel games either. It's yeah. he's, he's gonna come back. Oh yeah, he's that psycho energy is gonna be around. That psycho energy is gonna be around, and it's gonna continue to proceed to do basically nothing for him. Pretty much, which is kind of tragic because other people are gonna show up with psychic energy, and it's gonna help them a lot more. Hmm. Oh yes, a lot, lot more. So yeah, that's the end of Street Fighter Two, and so Capcom wanted to continue the Street Fighter series, but they also kind of wanted to keep using the same characters. Right. So because of that, they created a prequel series, a kind of setup events and whatnot, called Street Fighter Alpha. A hell of a series. Yes. Also, in Japan, it was called Street Fighter Zero, a name which makes a lot more sense as far as the plot is concerned. Indeed. And just a better name overall. Yeah, it's kind of kind of also just a better name. <laughs> Although this did lead to like a really funny thing when... They came up with the um, an update for Street Fighter Zero Two, where they called it Street Fighter Zero Alpha, <laughs> <laughs> just to confuse everybody, I guess, over yeah. in Japan. So taking in between, taking place in between Street Fighter One and Two, the Alpha series acts as a prequel to the events of Street Fighter Two, and it centers primarily around Ryu. You see, previously, like yeah, with the first game, obviously Ryu's like the protagonist, but then like in Two, he like the focus is shifted away from him. Mm-hmm. 
Street Fighter Alpha is when they start the whole boat of like, okay, no, it's all Ryu all the time. Right. Which, mixed bag. Yeah. And there's a big reason for that, because Ryu is kind of a passive character. Little bit. He's kind of extremely boring. Yeah. He cares about fighting. Yeah. that's it. Ryu is stoic Goku. Yeah. And things really more happen to Ryu rather than Ryu seeking out things. Yeah. With Alpha 2 maybe being the one exception to this. So, with Ryu basically winning the tournament in the first game, he has now gained the attention of everybody. Not only does Sagat want his revenge for being maimed, M. Bison is now interested in the inner power Ryu possesses. Other characters also have their own motivations for tracking down Ryu, whether it's to recruit them to their cause, or just to meet the famous world warrior. Uh, the Alpha series, once again, is kind of weird narratively because of this. With mm. a very passive main character, the majority of events occur because <laughs> somebody's tracking down Ryu, rather than Ryu seeking them out. Right. In many ways, Charlie and Chun-Li are the main protagonists, because they're the yep. ones actually taking the battle to Shadowloo. Okay, let's be real. Chun-Li's always actually the protagonist. Yeah. Chun-Li is the actual protagonist of Street Fighter. She is. Every single game, she's the one actively going against whoever the big bad is. Yeah. She, like, never ultimately succeeds, but she is definitely the driver of the action. Yeah, it... Yeah. yeah actually, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Need to erase every instance of Ryu as the protagonist in here. Just... <laughs> Control F and replace with Chun Li. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's good because I like Chun Li. Chun Li's. I a good do character. too. I, I think Chun Li's a good protagonist for Street Fighter. Absolutely. Kind of makes sense that she has her own movie. That's very bad, and I want to watch. Yes, I've I've also heard it's very bad, but not in like the original Street Fighter movie way. No, no, just just terrible. Just bland and boring and terrible and dreary. Yeah. Unfortunate. Uh, gonna watch that movie one day. Yeah. So, overall, though, the Alpha series is important because it introduces a wider story that Street Fighter in many ways was lacking. Now, this is a story that will often contradict itself, mm -hmm. but a story nonetheless. I also, once again, need to point out before we start that the stories of Street Fighter Alpha 1 and 2 are essentially the same, which sort of makes sense. If you play mm -hmm. Alpha 1 and then play Alpha 2 afterwards, you go, oh, you just... Alpha 1 was kind of unfinished, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit. And so 2 just ends up being a more enhanced telling of the story. So right. we'll start with 2 and go from there. So Alpha 2 picks up right after the World Warrior Tournament, with Ryu returning home to Japan to find that his master, Goken, is very much dead and murdered. Mm. He finds out through uh, some means that the person who killed him was Akuma, Goken's brother and rival. And, of course, Kuma was the guy who killed Bison at the end of 2. Right. So, if Goken is the Yin, Akuma is his Yank. Whereas Goken tried to purge his fighting style of assassin techniques, Akuma embraced it, and because of this, he seeks out powerful opponents in order to make himself stronger or die trying. He possesses a very odd moral code because of this. He will always try to seek out an even bout with another fighter. He, like, he doesn't just kill for killing's sake. Right. And he'll purposely weaken himself if need be and just have like a sparring match to determine their power. 
However, if he finds somebody worthy of his full skill, it becomes a fight to the death. Either he's going to die or his opponent's going to die. He's also very serious about his fighting style being the best, which is a big reason why he fought his brother. His brother was worthy of his full skill, and he wanted to prove that Goken's fist of nothingness was no match for the true power of what is called the Satsu no Hado, or the <laughs> Dark Hado. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. I also have to. I also have to say I really like when fighting games create a lore reason for why the insanely powerful, crazy god character is balanced with anyone else. Right. It's like, oh yeah, if Akuma was going full power, he'd obliterate this entire roster, but he holds back. So. Yeah, he. He holds back. So so Sakura's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, so yeah, the Dark Hado itself is an evil energy that, if not properly controlled, can consume oneself in hatred. It's also, like, somehow, like, Malovi, like, like, it's somehow, like, literally sentient and evil in some ways. Yeah, it's like a shadow force. Yeah, it's it's very strange, and anybody who practices the same martial arts style that you know Ryu and Ken do can theoretically be infected by it. So Ryu finds out all this, and in the one act of actually doing something, pursues Akuma across the globe. Now, during this time, he runs into friends and rivals, such as his friend Ken, who knows that Ryu's like completely out of it and simply not himself because like, he's still doubting himself after his fight with Sagat. They even have a match where Ken manages to win. And sensing Ryu's in distress, like, he gives him the red ribbon he uses to tie up his hair. And this red ribbon is, uh, will become Ryu's red bandana. Like, mm. it's like, hey, listen, keep this on you. Know that I always got your back. Because, once again, Ken's a bro. Uh, that's the best. Yeah. Ryu also ends up running into a young fan during his travels by the name of Sakura. Or Sakura. A young Japanese schoolgirl... She becomes so inspired by Ryu that she kind of sort of just learned how to do all of Ryu's moves. <laughs> She's pretty good at it, too. Yeah, she even learns how to throw fireballs. Like, Yeah. <laughs> and fun fact, she's actually a top-tier character in some of those games. Yeah, a little bit. She ain't yeah. bad. <laughs> she spends the Alpha series somehow traveling across the world to track him down. I don't know how. I guess her family's rich. I mean, her force of will can manifest fireballs. I'm sure it can get her a plane ticket. It probably can. <laughs> when she does finally meet Ryu, like, he's so impressed by her that he's inspired himself to become even better than before. And between Ken and, so and Sakura, Ryu's able to shake his malaise just in time to reach Akuma on an isolated island just off the Chinese coast. And thus we conclude the one Upon thing Sakura Akuma. will ever do. Yeah. Well, she's she's going to have one more thing she's going to do. Okay, fair. She has exactly one more thing. <laughs> Upon meeting Akuma, he reveals that, yes, he did indeed kill Goken for the reasons already stated, but also for a secret third reason. He wanted to see Ryu descend into darkness. You see, Ryu, once again, being a practitioner of the Ansusuken martial arts style, just like Akuma... He was also capable of experiencing the Dark Hado. In fact, the power that overtook him in the fight against Sagat was just that. If properly controlled, it would make Ryu far stronger than he is now, but it would also likely turn him to something he hates, an Akuma 2.0 of sorts. Akuma wants that not because he wants a protege, 
but rather somebody who can give him the fight he seeks. Because mm. that's Akuma's big thing is that he just wants to fight, man. Yeah. So Ryu and Kuma have this fight, and they fight to an apparent standstill. But it's very clear to Akuma that Ryu just isn't quite ready to see his full potential. So that being said, he's still excited. And he's like, hey, man, go ahead and run away. I'm going to fight you later. It's going to be great. <laughs> Embrace that dark path and get stronger. And with that, Akuma punches the island and forces it to sink in the sea with him on it. Rad. Akuma is rad. rad. Akuma is that zero tier of Capcom characters of like, you should not be cool. Mm-hmm. And then you're actually really damn cool. Yeah. So that's Ryu's story, but that's not the only story that's happening in Alpha 2. The other plot involves M. Bison and the Shadowloo organization. So we begin this plot right after the end of the first tournament with a very angry Sagat, embarrassed at his loss to Ryu. Sensing his anger, Bison approaches Sagat and tells him that if he joins Shadowloo as his right-hand man, he will promise to give him the power to defeat Ryu. Sagat jumps on this immediately because at this point, he's just consumed with defeating Ryu at this point. And like, remember, Sagat's not really supposed to be a bad person. He's just, he has one bad thing happen to him and he's like, no, I beca he becomes assessed. Right. So, Shadowloo, we actually get a little bit more background on this organization. At this point, it's been building its forces to take over the world. Consisting of a strong paramilitary wing capable of taking on small nations, his organization has been working on various things, ranging from cybernetics to clones, mind control rays, and the like. The thing he's trying to make, though, is a psycho drive, a machine capable of channeling dark psychic energy to Bison for the purposes of giving him strength and restoring his body at the cost of also shortening his lifespan. Now, this seems like a problem, but Bison has a solution. He has created a cloning program that will allow him to switch <laughs> bodies when his body inevitably decays. And Bison, being very progressive, uh, these clones are called the Dolls. They are beautiful women who also serve as bodyguards. So he's like, ah, cool, I'll put myself in a lady's body, I don't care. One of these clones, however, happens to escape. And, like, they're all brainwashed, but, like, she escapes and she runs to another fighter named uh, Dalsam, who is from Street Fighter Two, a Indian yogi. He uses his powers to unbrainwash her, and we find out her name is Kami White. Kami, uh, mm. a blonde-haired woman from Super Street Fighter Two, uh, will eventually end up joining Britain's MI6 and will go mm -hmm. on a mission to track down Bison herself. So... Bison, meanwhile, is like, okay, well, bit of a setback, but I'm trying to get the largest source of energy I can possibly find. And he realizes that he could do that if he gets the perfect body to power his psychodrive. He identifies that source as Ryu and begins to track his plans to track down and secure him. So, in the meantime, the world begins to learn of Shadowloo and begins operations against them. And they're led by an Air Force officer named Charlie Nash. Once again, Charlie being mm -hmm. the friend and mentor of Guile from Street Fighter 2. He is a um, you know, blonde-haired man, wears a puffy jacket, and he's so strong that he could do everything that, that Guile could do, but only with one limb. <laughs> Guile needs to use two legs to do a flash kick. He just needs one. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's so insane. Charlie's so insane. <laughs> so he teams up with Chun-Li to fight against Shadowloo wherever they find them. During this time, another woman in Italy gets wind that Bison is up to no good. Her name is Rose. 
Mm. Now, Rose is an elegant looking woman uh, based upon off of Lisa Lisa from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, and she's a former protege of Bison and someone who shares the same type of psycho power as him. Although hers is called soul energy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. She's also a fortune teller who uses the power of the tarot to determine her fate. And one day through that learns of Bison's plans to take over the world. So she also sets out to stop him. So this band of merry people eventually track down Bison's base and they discover it's in Thailand. Uh, they fight through Bison's forces, including Balrog and Vega, and eventually confront Bison himself. There, he happily reveals his plan is, yeah, totally will do want to take over the world, and yes, I do want to use Ryu to gain the perfect body to channel cycle energy through. Mm-hmm. So they all end up fighting and Bison's forced to flee. Now, Charlie pursues him and even manages to get the drop on Bison before he's able to escape. But unfortunately, some of the soldiers that they brought along with them are in Bison's pocket. And so they betray Charlie. They shoot him and dump his body off a cliff. And he's dead. Yep. Chun-Li witnesses this, and when she returns to America, she tells Guile about this, setting his story up for later. And regardless, Bison ends up escaping. So you're probably wondering, where's Sagat in all this? Yeah, a little bit. So Sagat hears and sees all this and is like, wait, what? Because mm. you see... Once again, Sagat's not really a bad guy. Right. And between this, yeah, and between this stupid plan and all the crimes Shadaloo is committing, he begins immediately having second thoughts about everything. Yeah, kind of more than he signed up for. Yeah. After all this, he wanders the world in much the same haze Ryu was doing, kind of wondering what he's become. Mm. And like, he runs into various people as well. Like, he runs into a man by the name of Dan Hibiki, a mm. living jab at Capcom's real-life rival, SNK. <laughs> who also turns out to be the son of a man that Sagat accidentally killed in a sparring match. And so like, he's trying to get his revenge, and Sagat just lets him win, because he's like, oh, yeah, no, this will give him peace, and yeah, this is the right thing to do. Because he, he does legit regret his actions. Right. So that happens, and he he starts to realize the damage he's causing to the world. Like, he has a real are-we-the-baddies moment here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he does finally manage to find Ryu, and shortly, like, this is shortly before Ryu fights Akuma, and he actually does win this fight, but he realizes that Ryu was holding back, so it's it's an empty victory. So, confused by this, he doesn't quite leave Shadaloo yet, but he does go back and, like, start thinking over what has happened. So, all of this leads into the events of Street Fighter Alpha 3. Now, Alpha 3 is an interesting game in the sense that only a few people actually matter to the story, despite the fact that at launch, there are 28 characters in this game. Right. And these include like, characters from, like, Final Fight, like Guy and Cody, and, like, characters who are straight-up dead, like Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, this, this game would get released re-released multiple times, and, like, with new characters, eventually get up to, like, 38 characters in total. Right. Including characters who should be, like, 10 at the time. <laughs> like, like Yun. Yeah. Yeah, the... Once again, the Street Fighter storyline is strange because they will reference things from Alpha 3 that happened to Yun in later games. So either way, though, the, the story of it can be boiled down to everybody's trying to track down one of three characters. Bad guys want to track down Ryu. Everyone else wants to track down either M. Bison or Akuma. Mm. They either want to track down Bison to end his plans for world domination or they want to track down Akuma because they heard he's a really good fighter and they want to fight him. So, 
Things start out with Ryu running into Rose, who tells him that Bison is after him. She warns him that he cannot defeat Bison unless his soul is willing to be sacrificed, which Ryu goes rad and decides that he needs to fight this dictator as soon as possible. <laughs> this is like the first and one of the last times Ryu actually like takes an interest in Bison also. Yep. Which is weird because, again, ostensibly, Ryu's the protagonist of the series and Bison is the antagonist. But they actually have very little to do with each other. They do. It's a lot of Bison pining after Ryu and then failing to do anything about it. Right. <laughs> and then Ryu being like, the way of the fist. I have yes. to walk to this town and fight this hobo. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's kind of sad in a way when you think about it. A little bit. Like, not, not to jump ahead too much but the plot of the series is there's there's practically two plots yeah one is ryu and akuma's plot and the other is chun li and bison's plot yeah and like it would be perfectly fine if it if the other plot you know the b plot or the a plot depending on mm -hmm. how you want to look at it wasn't literally just like and bison being like oh man i wish i could see ryu right now <laughs> <laughs> Chun Li and Guile just standing there, like, uh, we're right here. We're punching you in the face. Pay attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of sad. A little bit, yeah. Like there, there's like some scenes for like a really good conflict between yeah Bison and Guile and Chun Li, and they just kind of don't do that half the time. Yeah. So speaking of M Bison, though, his body's starting to deteriorate as planned. The good news is that he has Cammy to transfer his soul into. The bad news is that Cammy has escaped, as right. mentioned previously. So he sends Vega after her. Unfortunately, Vega fails. <laughs> so instead, they decide to use another doll by the name of as Julie. As Vega is wont to do. Yeah, Vega... <laughs> Vega never really succeeds in these games at anything? Nope, not really. There's going to be one thing he's going to succeed at, and we'll get to it at the end of this, and that is it. So they fail to do that, but they have Julie. So like, okay, we're going to just transfer my soul into Julie. But then he decides, actually, no, I have a better plan. And then Bison goes, I'm going to kidnap Ken Masters and brainwash him to lure Ryu out. What? Yeah. Yeah, he just somehow gets a hold of Ken and brainwashes him. Okay, so... I'm going to jump to a different nerd them for a second, and right. I'm going to talk about Naruto for just 30 seconds, because Naruto also has a villain who body swaps and steals people's bodies. Hmm. And there's a part where he's like, I want that body. And his minions are like, all right, well, we don't have that body right now, and you're dying <laughs> right now. So you should probably get in this body, and then you can do that body like next time. And the villain goes, okay, you're right, I'm going to do that, and he does it. And that seems like a way better plan. <laughs> it it kind of does, doesn't it? Well, unlike that villain from Naruto, Bison, Bison doesn't do things halfway. Although, he does do things rather arbitrarily, given that he kind of had decided to put his body, his soul into Julie's, and then it was like, actually, no, wait, hold on. Right. <laughs> so... Maybe, maybe he actually does half-ass things. But maybe a little bit. Just just a little bit. So they so this succeeds, and like Ryu shows up, and he fights Bison, just gets straight-up whooped. 
Ryu is then hooked up to a machine that will allow Bison's soul to be transferred to Ryu's body. And this is where we learn what his plan actually is. Bison's plan is to transfer into Ryu's body and then use Ryu's energy to power the Psycho Drive. Mm-hmm. This, in turn, will allow him to power up a giant robot that is inside Thailand's Wat Po uh, reclining Buddha statue. <laughs> okay. Yes, which will then stand up and will send a beam out from its nose mm-hmm. full of psycho energy up to a giant skull satellite. Okay. Which will then rain down destruction on every major city in the world. Right. If this seems like it's out of left field, and also how <laughs> did they put a giant robot inside literally one of the most famous reclining Buddha statues in the world? Yeah. Excellent question. Don't know. He managed <laughs> it, though. <laughs> so, naturally, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a real escalation, too, because, like, up until this point, it's like, okay, well, it's, it's a little little confusing, but, like... Couldn't they just send nukes at the satellite? You know, you figure they could. I honestly, I'm trying to figure out how they got a satellite up there in the first place with nobody I, I noticing. No, space programs aren't that hard to run. I guess not. Not not for Shadowloo. <laughs> just Sagat just did a tiger uppercut and put the, the yeah, satellite yeah, there up there. You go. There you go. Perfect. Man's tall. Yep. So naturally, everyone is against this insane plan, and luckily for Ryu, Chun Li, maybe Guile. It's unclear. <laughs> Sagat, who's now thoroughly out of Shadowloo, because he's like, this is a bad plan. Also, you're literally desecrating something from my country. Right, yeah, also that. Uh, now not brainwashed Ken, Sakura, Rose, and Schrodinger's Charlie. Because <laughs> Capcom has not decided if Charlie's alive or dead at this point. <laughs> Even though they literally decided it the last game. They did, and they're like, but what if Charlie was in this game? (laughs) (laughs) They all show up to fight Bison free Ryu from mind control. Now, everyone tries and fails, but Sakura, and the last thing that she's going to do that's relevant, she's able to get through to Ryu and free him from his mind control. So Bison is enraged by this, and he attacks Ryu with everything he has, and Ryu hits him with a Shoryuken so strong, it causes Bison to explode into psycho energy. Rad. Yeah. Now, he still somehow managed to live long enough to be confronted by Rose. And Bison's like, hey, I got something to tell you. (laughs) Got something to tell you that's going to be real out of left field. (laughs) So, as I mentioned previously, Rose has a similar type of energy to Bison. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's similar is because Rose is Bison. Okay. Yes. Okay. At some point... Bison's body split into two halves, where his soul, the evil half, became Bison, and the good half became Rose. This is very fortunate for Bison, because that means he can just transfer his body into Rose without needing a machine. (laughs) Which he does. I mean, like, I feel like he should have just done that, and not the doll program. Yeah... Also, if he had a cloning program, he should have just been cloning roses. Or himself. Or himself. Yeah, you you would think so. I I don't know, like, he seems to, like, not particularly care about being in Rose's body, because he's only there just long enough to get into another body, which actually will be a clone of his body, albeit weaker. Oh. Which is what you run into in Street Fighter 2. 
Right. That's why I don't know if he's ever as strong as he is in Alpha again. No, I don't think he is. Yeah, no. It, Alpha, the Alpha series is his most powerful by far. Like, I feel like the doll program makes sense right up until you're like, and then I'm going to body snatch their bodies. Yep. And you're like, oh, what? Seems I- like you actually have a lot of alternatives to that as far as living forever goes. Yeah, kind of kind of a ton. Like, got quite a... F- you could literally just make any other body. You, you could clone Ryu. Why don't you just clone Ryu? Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's Why don't you clone Sagat? Sagat kicked the shit out of Ryu. Yeah, he's top tier in like every game he's in, except Street Fighter V for some reason. Oh, so like, no. you know, you're probably going to do okay. Like Once again, that Tiger uppercut has range. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Bison, Bison is a man whose plans are overly elaborate and prone to failure. Yeah, like the more they build up Bison... First of all, the more ridiculous his World Warrior tournament is, mm-hmm. like, how is yeah. that one even a plan? Right? He like, has this entire plan involving a giant robot sending up a laser to a skull satellite. And then after that, he's like, well, I guess that failed. What if we held a tournament? Yeah. Make that, the strong cool? people fight each other and then all fight the strong person. I don't even remember why he did it. Yeah. Barely did Also, he yeah. has an army. Yeah. And the space program. And apparently, and like mind control rates. Like he has so many different things. Like why was making 12 people fight each other important? At a certain point, <laughs> I feel like the events of Street Fighter 2 would just call, could just be summed up as Bison got bored and just wanted a cool fighting tournament. Yeah. It's like World Warrior is a cool name. I'll bring that back. Yeah, it's like, man, they haven't had one of those in four years. We should do another one of those. It was so popular. Five people at a time would watch each match. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Bison... Bison only has stupid plans that, yeah, if you tug at any random string, it immediately falls apart. And that's yeah. not going to change when we talk yeah. about the later games. But Blanca the... can be there. <laughs> Everyone loves Blanca. Everyone loves Blanca. Oh, Blanca. Yeah, fun aside... um. While we're not going to talk about a lot of the different little side stories that do happen in these games, and some of them are are actually quite fun, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe I'll select one or two for next time. But uh, one real good one is how Sakura, Dan, and Blanca, Blanca being a giant green man who grew up in the jungles of South America, all just team up and become best friends. That's my favorite. That part's my absolute favorite. It's so good. <laughs> It's it's so great because Dan wants to train like Sakura and mm-hmm. Sakyo style. She's like, man, I'm already stronger than you. Don't don't give me yeah. this. But let's hang out my, anyways. My... <laughs> Just Even gonna hang though out. You're like old enough to be my dad, right? I'm just gonna hang out with this middle aged man and this this other green man who grew <laughs> up in the, in the jungle. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna pick out one or two that to talk fight about next my time. rival who's like a rich. Brit, I no like rich Japanese princess chick who <laughs> hates me for some reason. I don't know. We're in high school. Oh, that yes. shit just happens. <laughs> yeah, we we're we're not gonna talk about Karin here in Street Fighter Alpha Three where she debuts because she's just not that relevant. Yeah, but don't worry, Capcom. Somebody at Capcom really likes that character. She's gonna come back. <laughs> she's uh, gonna have an actual lot to do in Street Fighter Five. 
But so yeah. I feel like th- this is a good point to reiterate. Like, yeah, I'm I'm picking the plot of this game apart because it's fun and that's what I like to do. Mm-hmm. But I really do love these fighting game stories, and the main reason for that is it's mostly this. Yeah, where it's it's just like driven by character interactions. Yeah, where and- like your character has an initial motivator, and then they just sort of come back and hang out with each other. Yeah, and it, it kind of comes off as being a little inane and mindless, and but like at the same time, it, it's, it's kind of just cool because of that. Because yeah, you have all these like random little interactions, like you said, yeah, and like random little side stories and things that will just kind of pop up out of nowhere, right? Like, oh man, Ken's building a family and like got married to this one lady. That's cool. Yeah. Oh hey, the final fight people are here for some reason. Sure, that can happen. <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, that, that's kind of cool. Like, yeah. yeah, it's it's all sorts of, like, incredibly, incredibly strange things that, once again, since now it's, like, kind of its own dedicated through-line story, it's kind of starting to go away, which is a little unfortunate. A little bit, yeah. But it's, like, it's it's my favorite genre of anime, which is, like, a lot of inane slice-of-life stuff, and then mm-hmm. someone punches the moon in half. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, fighting games are, are perfect for that sort of thing. Yeah. Ah, uh, man. Because it's just 30 characters who have, like, interacting personalities and also throw fireballs from their hands. <laughs> oh, it's going to get so much fun when we talk about Mortal Kombat, a series where oh, everybody yeah. literally dies and is revived <laughs> multiple times. Death means nothing except that you're mad about it. Mm-hmm. Usually very, very angry. <laughs> so yeah, the finish up Alpha 3. So Bison ends up in Rose's body, but only temporary, like just, just long enough to get into another body. And Rose will end up being fine after all this somehow. Uh and not remember entire thing, actually. Uh Sagat decides he's leaving Shadowloo for good from here, uh, which means there's a direct contradiction with Street Fighter yeah, 2. That's, that's fine, don't worry. Don't worry about that. He ends up confronting Ryu, and they squashed her beef, because, like, you know, Sagat now realizes what Ryu is going through, and mm-hmm. Ryu realizes Sagat's not a jerk. And right. they agree that they want to fight again, like, not out of revenge, and not here, of course. They want to fight that's mutual respect of honor when they're at the top of their games. Mm-hmm. And they part ways to train for their eventual match in the future, which I think still has not happened. Not that I know of. Something there's probably something in four or five where it actually does, but I guess I'll find that out when I t- do the research. <laughs> for them. But yeah, that is Street Fighter Alpha Three, and for next week, things are going to escalate cra- in a crazy way when we talk about the literal Illuminati. Yeah, <laughs> and a man who's both red and blue. But that's going to be for next week. <laughs> yeah, he's oh god, Gil's so stupid. Fucking Gil's so weird. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm excited to talk about Street Fighter Three. I, I wanted to, I I was tempted to talk about Street Fighter Three this time around, but it's like mm. actually it, it given that Street Fighter Five is like setting up everything for Street Fighter Three, it's like I guess we gotta leave it for then. So Yeah. That's what yeah. we'll do. Probably makes sense. But yeah. With the end of the Alpha series, at the very least, they, they end up setting up some interesting threads. Like, what's going to happen yes. with um, Akuma and Ryu? Like, is Akuma going to get his fight that he wants? Is Ryu going to overcome the Sasu no Hado? 
and right. get his revenge for Goken's death is like is Bice going to succeed in his plans? Is Chun-Li ever going to get her revenge? Like, there's a lot right. of stories that are actually here that, uh, depending on what sort of payoffs they do, could end up being very interesting and very cool. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoy the progression of the, sort of the early part of the series, where it's like, Street Fighter 1 was just like a basic plot to explain why people are punching each other. Mm-hmm. And then Street Fighter 2 is like, okay, what kung fu movie tropes do we want to shove in here yeah to like explain now that we have like proper characters what should their tropey backstories be mm-hmm. how and blood sport alpha... do we want this to be yeah and then alpha is like okay what if we actually made like an anime mm-hmm. with those tropes yeah which fun fact that there was a street fighter alpha anime there was it was bad yeah, it's it was <laughs> really bad. It was also a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was bad. And Ken had red hair for some reason. It was great. Yeah. Mm. Zangief uh, was like a just a straight-up roid villain. Yes, he was. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, honestly, Street Fighter made the right decision by going full anime. Yes, with, absolutely. With Alpha. Absolutely. And it's held up in many ways because of that, I I feel like. Including visually, because, man, like, the sprite work in 3 is amazing, but the sprite work in 2 is not shabby. It is not. Yeah, it's it's anime-inspired artwork, to be specific, um, because Capcom moved on to, I I think it was CPS 2 by that point, and they were like, we should just go nuts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, it it looks quite nice. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Definitely recommend playing it. But yeah, I think that's going to more or less do it for us today. Once again, next time we're going to be talking about Street Fighter 3, 4, and 5 as we see what's, what Street Fighter has in store for the future and get into the just entire messes that are the stories for those three games because mm. everything about this is honestly very simple for what's coming in the future. <laughs> those three titles are the reason why this is a two-parter. Yeah. Alex, do you have any final thoughts? Um, SNK's King of Fighters series has a character named Athena who also uses psycho energy, and thus those are canonically the same universe. <laughs> I I support this. I mean, hey, Capcom vs. SNK is a real game. Yes, in which Bison says, I can't believe this small child also has psycho energy. <laughs> so good <laughs> and the two respective billionaire families and then hold a fighting fighting tournament yeah pretty much <laughs> oh man god that game's so good it's i i've never played it but i hear it's very very good you've never played capcom vs snk i've never have we're gonna change that in the future okay i look forward to that as you should as you should but yeah that's gonna do it for us today once again, next week, we're going to be talking about Street Fighter 3, 4, and 5. And in the meantime, you know, remember to do your push-ups. Remember to do your sit-ups. And concentrate on the way of the fist. Because fist, the way of the fist is the way of enlightenment. Yes, but only only the good way of the fist, not the bad one. Yeah, not, not the bad way of the fist. Don't, don't fall to any evil energy. If a man with red hair shows up, you're going to have a bad time. Probably, yeah. I would, I would just run the other way. <laughs> 
Take care, everybody. See you.